Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Sons of a God, a podcast about the DC Universe. I'm Alex Gunn. I'm Justin Gunn, a gun. I'm Pete. Also, last name Gunn, and we got a celebrity dad. We can't say who it is. We're just going to, for legal reasons, we're going to leave it out of this. But we are going to be talking about... And we're doing the podcast, Dad, just like you asked us to. God, he's always calling and be like, have you guys done the podcast yet? Yeah. Anyway, Do you like my tweets? Yeah, I'm tweeting all the time. Hey, I don't like the tone in which you're talking about our... I'm, we love our dad. Not we love legally our, dad. our father. We were all born the, at basically the same time as... Yeah, but he was first. Trip. He never lets us forget that he's the oh oldest and dad loves, he loves dad. We were conjoined, Pete. It was basically the same time. You anyway, getting issues. into it, this is another required reading episode. Now, the previous required readings that we've done are books that were suggested by James Gunn, no relation, about the upcoming DC Universe films. Here, we're going to be talking about Flashpoint, which is part of the inspiration behind the upcoming Flash movie. So James Gunn hasn't specifically said that it's required reading. That's something we potentially could get into here about whether mm. it is required reading at all. Uh, but... To give you a little bit of background about it, it is written by Jeff Johns, pencils by Andy Kubert, inks by Sandra Hope and Jesse Del Pardon, colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by Nick J. Napolitano, and it is five issues, ran May through August 2011, but it is just one small part of the Flashpoint event, and this is a big thing that we could probably get into and talk about um, maybe later on. We'll also talk about what it means for the Flash movie towards the end of the podcast. But overall, there were 61 issues or multiple miniseries and one-shots, as well as a sequel series that came out recently called Flashpoint Beyond. It also spawned an animated movie. There was a plot points of this were used on the third season of The Flash. And of course, there's the Flash movie that we'll be talking about. One of the biggest impacts that Flashpoint had was that it kicked off what was called the New 52. The New 52, mm. remember that? Oh, yes, oh, still new. Good old yes. days. Well, so to give you all listening a little bit of background, this is something that we covered very heavily on Comic Book Club, our live podcast. We read all of the New 52 issues. We reviewed Flashpoint back in the day. We could certainly talk about our impressions of it, which I think if you've guessed, if you listened to any previous of these Sons of a Gun podcast, we weren't very favorable about. So I'm curious to get your reactions upon reading it again. But 
originally Flashpoint was supposed to be a miniseries focusing on the Flash going to a not alternate universe, but a changed universe where everything is darker, everything's more messed up. And at the end of it, the original plan was, yeah, maybe they'll use it to, you know, tweak a couple of things. One of the discussions was, oh, maybe we'll have it so that Superman and Lois aren't married anymore or nobody remembers, you know, Lois doesn't know that Superman is Clark Kent or something like that. Just sort of like things that have big impacts but are little changes are the sort of things that come out of these miniseries. Instead, Dan DiDio, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, decided, wait a second, I've been trying to revamp the DC universe, make it something that appeals to a new audience and not just the old audience for a very long time. And he had tried previous things. We talked in a previous episode, I think, about the All-Star line. We talked about All-Star Superman. That was one yeah. of his attempts there. That didn't really happen. There were just two titles. There are other things that they did. There's an Earth One thing that they did for a while that I think actually came after this. But with Flashpoint, he said, hey, this is a perfect opportunity. Instead of just changing one or two things, why don't we change everything? Why don't we essentially wipe out the line, reboot it? And initially, they were going to do about 40 titles. Then it ballooned up to 48 titles. And then Jim Lee, who was, I believe, co-publisher at the time, if I remember correctly, said, hey, why don't you do 52? Because we got these 52 the Earths. 52. You had done 52, which is a miniseries, which is great, and you should check yeah. out. It was super successful. So... Let's do 52 titles instead. And so that's what they did. They revamped the universe. They redid it. On the other end of the new 52, and I'll just say this briefly, just to sort of wrap up this part of the discussion, essentially what happened was it was a huge sales success. It brought DC back to number one. But the problem is, and there's a great oral history of this that I'll recommend by Graham McMillan, who's one of the best comic book mm. journalists working over at Polygon, where Dan DiDio and Scott Snyder and a bunch of other folks, uh, Paul Cornell, I think, also talked about the history of the New 52. And one of the things they all called out was there wasn't really a plan behind it, the, that they had sort of like half figured out how Flashpoint kicked into New 52 and what the history was. This is something on our Patreon Slack we were discussing the other day where, like, yeah. Superman was like, I just started as a Superman. And Batman's like, I have five Robins. I died. Uh, several <laughs> other things happened. It, it, it didn't really make sense. It didn't really fit together. And ultimately, it ended up fizzling. Things got reversed pretty recently in the comics, um, as well as at other points. Um, but that didn't quite work in the long run. That all well, said, yeah, but it ahead. wasn't well, ever meant to be permanent. I mean, I think like all of this, especially we were talking in, the, like you're saying in the Patreon Slack, DC feels like the need to do sort of hard reboots a lot, sort of line wide. Let's change a bunch of things and sort of re kick off everything because of the success of Flashpoint into New 52. Marvel does it a little bit differently with just sort of changing things ad hoc as it goes and adjusting um, in kind. And I think, Doing that here was such a win, but then doing it again, it starts to weaken its impact. And I think that's the um, reason for that. But the, I think Flashpoint taught a lot of lessons to the DC universe um, that are still being uh, having impact today. I, I, and I would also just like to say, like, as an idea, you know, what I mean, it kind of, you know, makes your mind break a little bit of like, oh, what happened? How How do we pull this all apart? But. The trying to be reader friendly, trying to have like a new jumping on point, I think was, uh, was an idea that was successful. People came, uh, and started reading comics. And I think that it was 
uh, a nice, you know, if you are a younger person, it doesn't have this history, uh, a nice kind of end point to be like, oh, cool. Uh, this is relaunching. I can start reading DC comics and uh, kind of ride this out. You know? Well, and also that was a period, I will say you had 52 titles, right? So some of them didn't work, but some of them were absolute baggers. Like they yeah. had incredible art. Aquaman was really great. Uh, Aquaman was very good. Batman, we got the Quarter of Owls storyline, which had been planned yeah. anyway. But that obviously was phenomenal. Um, there were a couple of others. I think we got like that new Constantine series, which maybe had Riley oh, Rossi yeah. art. If I remember, I'm probably getting all these details wrong. I but think that's a, right. Yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that was really, really good that came out of it. Like yeah. you're saying, a fresh start. It's exciting. But uh, to take this back a step here to talk about Flashpoint, I think it's important to talk about, particularly when we're getting to the second part of the book, which we'll get into in a moment, in terms of how it transitions from Flashpoint into the new 52. So that all said, just to give a brief plot overview of Flashpoint, if it's been a while since you've read it, what which happened it was in, for me. Yeah, it certainly was for me as well, is Barry Allen wakes up. He's in a strange new world. He doesn't understand what happens. And he quickly comes to realize that things have changed like and we're going to add spoilers here, but like Bruce Wayne died instead of Thomas and Martha Wayne in this title in Flashpoint. We find out that Thomas Wayne is Batman. We don't find this out, but Martha Wayne is actually the Joker and one oh, of the spinoff spoilers, series. Jesus spoilers. And over the course of it, he starts to realize, wait a second, of course, this has to be caused by Eobard Thawne, the reverse Flash, my arch enemy. But the big, the next big twist, <laughs> the big shocker is it's not reverse flash at all. It actually was Barry. There's a thing that they play out over the course of it where he's losing his memories as the new timeline solidifies. And one of the first things he forgot is he was so upset on the anniversary of his mother's death that he went back in time, stopped her from dying and therefore broke time so much that things reverberated outwards and ended up bad for, for example, Aquaman and Wonder Woman, who are now yeah. fighting over the fate of the world and a lot of other characters. The classic like butterfly that. effect. So, yeah, and by mm. the end of it, uh, he after he realizes that and after a bunch of different characters die in absolutely horrific ways, he realizes, okay, I got to fix this no matter what. And fixing this by talking to his mom, he realizes... I got to let her die. I got to let her die to bring. She sort of says she's like, I got to go dog. And I was like, one's got to go. She does that internet meme. It's really. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Not only did it presage the new 52, it also presaged a bunch of stuff on Twitter. Uh, Anyway, she says that he remakes the universe with all of these new 52 changes. We don't get to see a lot of them in this book, but the last little capper there is that Thomas Wayne wrote a letter for Bruce Wayne that Flash brings him and he gives it to him at the end of the book. So that's a very broad overview of the book. Now to get into the actual discussion point, I'm curious to hear from you. I, I was actually very excited in a way to check this out again because I know we were pretty negative about it, like I said earlier, about the crossover when it was coming out and a lot of the changes, even though we like some of the bits about it. So what was it like revisiting now? And more importantly, what was it like revisiting it just as this five-issue series versus 61 issues that we're reading over the course of a couple of months? Uh, yeah, I would just like to first say that, like, um, you know, this wasn't um, my favorite event uh, at the time. 
but going back to it, you kind of realize this was a kind of iconic moment in in comics, and you had an unbelievable team. I mean, you got you know Andy and Jeff Johns on this thing, and it's a uh, it's it's a hell of a team to kind of put together. The art is you know super tight bananas in in a crazy way. I you know. I'm not a big fan of the Flash, so walking into this, I'm not looking for a W. But going back and rereading it, there are things that are, you know, there's some real iconic panels here. Uh, you know, so, so would you say you weren't looking for a W, but it didn't end up being an L? Yeah, mm. it wasn't a it wasn't a capital L. It's still I, I would go back <laughs> now. It's a, it's a lowercase mm. like L, like a capital okay. I, like yeah, a cap, uh, which looks like a capital I. Yeah, yeah, I can I I can agree with that, but I'm just different. Yeah, I just think overall it's, uh, you know, you, you if you're a fucking scientist and uh, smart, you know you can't go back because of what that's going to do. And so, like, you know, well, you, you made a horrible happy. decision and it, you know, wrecked things for a lot of people. You must have been happy that the Flash was slow for part of this because <laughs> you hate how fast he is. And he was, like, very slow. Regular speed. Regular speed. He's like Pete speed. Yeah. Justin, what did you think about this revisiting again? I think reading this as a a five-issue series on its own, I thought was actually great, much better. It's so concise. It moves very quickly. We have this larger world of Aquaman and Wonder Woman fighting and destroying everything. And I actually like not getting into that. Yeah, they're not nice. I like not getting into that. Like, I feel like the larger Flashpoint tie-ins were, like, all about that and getting into smaller stories there. And that muddies sort of this emotional spine and the real character development that happens here for Barry Allen and the twist, which I thought was so effective here. He's like, it must be reverse flash. I have to get him. He's my arch enemy. He did this. And then it's him the whole yeah, time. Yeah, and the reverse flash gives him the reverse card. And it was like, actually, it's you, bro. Stop putting yeah. your shit on <laughs> You're playing Uno. You're talking yeah, to Uno. Yeah, yeah. You thought we were playing chess. We're playing Uno, baby. Yeah, baby, baby. Stop calling us baby. <laughs> Fuck it. You love calling us baby lately. Stop doing it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I was very impressed reading this again and pleasantly surprised, particularly because, like you're saying, Justin, there's all these details that get thrown out there, which are yes, setting up miniseries and things. Like I looked at it, and I was like, all oh, right, insane. the Canterbury Cricket. I forgot about yeah. that character, which is a very fun, very weird miniseries that spun out of this. But none of that matters. Like what Jeff does with the plotting throughout this book is he keeps the stuff and mentions the stuff and the plot points that matter, but doesn't use it as like a see also in uh, Shazam family number five. None of that is important. You get all the information you need to know in these five issues. And if you get excited about some of the ideas, like who is this character that I've never seen before? What is this weird twist on Element Woman or whatever? There were other things you can check out, but you get everything that you need to know right here. And it works as a nice, tight story. I do think and this is what I was not so suddenly hinting at before. I do think it falls apart when it starts to set up the new 52 stuff towards the end. Like it just gets too, it does exactly the opposite of what I was saying before. But up until that point, it works really effectively as a story. The twists work, the Thomas Wayne cliffhanger at the end of the first issue. Great. Great. Um, really as well that. as laying his narration throughout, and you don't know it's him, and then you're like, oh, it's Bruce. It's Bruce Wayne. And it's not. It's Thomas no, Wayne. It's Thomas Wayne. 
Thomas Wayne. And darker. Ultimately, the two really big emotional moments, one, the moment that you mentioned with Nora telling Barry, you got to let me go, is very affecting. And then Bruce crying over the letter from his father is also just such a nice, quiet way, an emotional way. What an ending. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't. Th- this is as much a Batman story that, as it is a Flash story. And Bat I, family, I had, really. At Bat Family, I'd forgotten that how much it's about sort of the twist of Thomas and the way that he's a darker version. The idea that I guess like losing a son can turn someone who before this had been portrayed as like very nice, pretty straightforward, good doctor has later been changed a bit. I think uh, because of this, maybe even. But that was really in the nature of grief, like we get the flat flash losing his mother as sort of the main emotional journey for him. And then the idea that Thomas lost his son is like just a nice reflection of those two different ideas and showing them differently. Uh, I mean, I have a lot to say how this affects the movie particularly, but I know the rules that comes later. <laughs> oh, comes uh, later. look at you reeling yourself in and. Yeah, you're really growing up. Uh, what were some moments throughout the story that particularly jumped out to you, other than the ones we mentioned that you thought worked or didn't work? Oh, I did want to say on what you were talking about, setting up the, the New 52 stuff. I feel like this is such – because rereading this, I was like, ugh. When you're first reading it for the first time and you don't know what's coming, it is exciting to be like, ooh, what is that mysterious figure? What are these three timelines coming together whatever? Now you're like, oh, this is such a – bummer part of the story that doesn't <laughs> isn't part of this story it's like seeing a commercial in a mm-hmm. like a your favorite movie you're like ah blah, get well, out of here and just to break that down for anybody who either doesn't remember or doesn't know basically what they did was they took the dc timeline revamped it like we talked about but also took what was called the wild storm universe and put that in there as well as well as what was the third timeline was it like the jsa timeline and kind of moved yeah, that up uh, yeah. Earth two timeline perhaps yeah so they jammed all that stuff together and then brought it together under this character who was later named Pandora, who this gets into what we were talking about in terms of the being like not really having a story behind the scenes. They introduced this character as the one who's like, there's an even bigger threat coming, get ready. And I don't either they didn't know what the threat was or they changed their mind about what the threat was because Pandora showed up in every issue of the first issues in the new 52 and then disappeared for a very long time, came back in her own miniseries, which I don't think a lot of people read, and then she was killed. The end. Yeah, that never made sense, because it felt like a Pandora was going to be like a Watcher-type figure, mm-hmm. but with a, some sort of secret purpose. But the purpose was never well-defined, and Pandora ended up being like a force of nature, really, but... It just you wanted a big villain there is what it was sort of being set up as and ended up being just like, nope, this was basically the editor being like, we want to tell you this story Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And the last thing that I'll say about this also on two fronts, one, it's only actually like two pages of the book or so. It's not a whole ton of real estate of the book, though it is glaringly weird. And frankly, the pages are maybe the worst pages that Andy Kubert does in the book. Like his art is so good. And the layout there is so weird with the new 52 character versions of the characters jammed at the bottom. It's hard to follow the flow of the page and it feels like something that he, they did so quickly just before it went to print. 
Well, I think like a lot of like TV, film, any sort of media where you're um, telling a story through images, the if the story's not clear, the images are also like it's like, I don't know, <laughs> right. a bunch of people in this little goopy bubble. Sure. That's I guess that's why my understanding of it. And I, I think the lessons here going forward, though, from this time into as these comic book movies became such a bigger thing is when you're setting stuff up, it's exciting in the moment. But on the rewatch with TV and movies, it's a problem. And when you get too much set up, like recent Marvel movies and, you know, it's sort of what they're cleaning out of the DC movies as they're moving forward under um, daddy's new direction is, uh, is like, that is, uh, that's what we should have called the podcast. Daddy's new direction. Oh man. Yeah. Probably would have gotten uh, is, a little bit of a different audience. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, when you do that, it damages your main story. And at the end of the day, audiences need that main story. You can become a, you know, caught up in the story, the mega narrative that you're telling. If it's just a good story, you don't need all these hooks and different little tricks to get you to keep going like we see at the end of Flashpoint here. Yeah. And particularly for somebody like Jeff Johns, who is a master at taking these complicated DC topics and distilling them down to... Yeah, here's all you really need to know. Here's the emotional core of the thing. To feel him and Andy Kubert kind of stretching towards the end there to jam in this thing that was not fully formed is a little bit of a bummer in what is otherwise a very emotional climax. Uh, to jump back to it, though, I'll throw out a couple of things that I really liked in here, or at least one thing I had completely forgotten about. I really like this take on the Shazam family here. I know I mentioned it before, but, like, they all combine... Into yeah. Captain Thunder or whatever. It's kind of like, like fleshy Voltron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, oh, no, you stand you, on you top of each other, trench coats get in the movie situation, which is kind of adorable, <laughs> like the whole Shazam idea where they're kids, you know, kind of making. Uh, who, I'm know. the arm. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty great. I really enjoyed that. Um, also, I, I like Cyborg. Like, this was a specific thing that, if I remember correctly, Jeff Johns wanted to push forward, is he felt like Cyborg should be a bigger character in the DC universe. And making him the central, like, the only hero in this Flashpoint universe, I thought was a cool idea. Yeah. Um, and what about the take on Superman? How do you think about this? Because here we get, it's Subject zero, Subject 1? Subject 0? Subject 1. Yeah. Subject 1. Subject so 1 was, one super, on was thin Superman, was emo mm -hmm. Superman. Skin, Subject 2... Subject two was um, Crypto's Bones. <laughs> I was like, kept it a, dude, I was like, man, it got dark fast, bones, dude. That really jumped off, uh, you know, from one to two, really went dark fast there, bro. They were so stressed about it, they kept the bones on lock. <laughs> they kept the bones locked up. Uh, I, I do think that the, uh, it's a very interesting idea. Like, if he doesn't fall in a place where, you know, immediately – so he doesn't grab him, throw him in the basement and be like, no, you're never going to see the light of day. Uh, I think that was a kind of interesting take. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they probably could have done more with this version of Superman, potentially. And I guess they did. It's not his story. All right. Oh, it's not a story, bro. Yeah. Uh, but I like the I do like the faith that Barry shows in him here. And yeah. that gets to probably one of the central things not just about this book, but that we know Jeff Johns believes about the DC universe is getting to the core of these characters that no matter how much you change them, no matter how much you change their backstories, 
at the base level, they are the same people. They are who they are. So that's what Barry tries to do towards the end. He does it successfully with Superman and gets him to join this final battle. He doesn't do it successfully or they don't do it successfully with Aquaman and Wonder Woman who have gone too far to go back to who we know they are. Yeah. And Hal Jordan is, does his essential thing, which is dying. <laughs> That's what he's known best for. Oh, I thought that was an unnecessary. Like we see him for like a couple pages and then someone's lecturing him like you're out of control. I was like jumping to Top Gun shit. And then it's just like newsflash. This guy died. We just met him two pages ago. <laughs> Uh, crazy. I, that's my favorite flash is news flash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's sh- what he does with Batman's just letter. shows up, gives him. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, to be clear, like I know I said they did a good job of not, uh, not, you know, jangling stuff out there, but there are things like they talk about Lois Lane and she never really shows up. Steve Trezor, they're like, Ooh, what happened to him? And same sort of thing. They're like, well, assume he died, stop hearing from him. And then he never shows up again. And they dealt with all of that stuff in miniseries, but it does all still feel in service of this overall story and driving it forward to this end point, this battle in London between all the superheroes and, the other superheroes. Well, and it's the power of the the core Flash story that I thought really uh, we don't get lost in the like oh grifters here who always feels like sort of the Sweet one P the one P mixed into your carrots where you're like what is he doing <laughs> he's he's from another place yeah uh, he doesn't quite match on any I mean I, I know they're doing um, good work with him now in DC Universe our guy uh, Matt Rosenberg but. Bergy. Uh, but it always has felt a little up until now, up until uh, that it, he doesn't quite match here. Uh, one thing I want to talk about is I feel like we forget about the Batman Flash relationship. And in in comics, it's so different than the way it is in basically everything else, where the Flash is like a younger energy and Batman's like, knock it off, kid. We got to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that's a, what the energy is going to be in the upcoming movie here. You know, Barry Allen and Bruce Wayne are like contemporaries and they have, they share a love of like detective work, forensic sciences. And so you see them, the flash goes to Batman and what he thinks is for his help. Buddy Bruce, yeah. And he's like, Hey man, just checking in. And it's Th- Thomas. And he's like, Whoa, I expect to be met by my friend. He talks about Bruce as his good friend. And in, at the end, he's like, Hey man, just stopping in. Like that's such a unique pairing that we mm-hmm. get here in this and it's it's really nice i would like to see more of that yeah i agree like in the flash tv show like arrow was kind of like that to him and then when they showed up together Don't it was a fun dare. darkness and brightness there you know what i mean so uh i agree i think this pairing is great and it's fun to kind of see them and we see it brings emotion out of batman at the end there so uh, I definitely agree with you. It's definitely something that isn't talked a lot about in this series, but it's a great relationship. I'll also throw out, I know we allotted Andy Kubert's pencils earlier, but some of the specific scenes are so kinetic in terms of the way that he draws them, like the scene where Flash finally gets his powers back and it just pauses on him and the lightning in his eyes as Batman is slow motion falling towards a spiked fence and then he runs and saves him. It shouldn't work because there's no motion to comic book pages, but that's what Kubert puts in there, and that's what he puts throughout. You know, I know you guys are not as big of a fan of the Flash comics as I am, but when I don't like the Flash comics, it's when somebody doesn't figure out how to capture that, that sense of movement 
on the page. That's exactly mm-hmm. what Kubert does here. And you got to do that with a Flash comic. Otherwise, it doesn't work. That's his whole thing. Exactly. He moves. He moves. Um, I did think it was funny, like darkly funny. They're like, don't worry. I'm going to do this Flash thing again. Dumped chemicals all over himself, gets struck by lightning, and it's just ruined. (laughs) And it's sad, but it's also just like, that's a bad idea. It feels like a, I think you should leave sketch. (laughs) Well, it's also, I remember reading that one back in the day. I'd completely forgotten about that plot point, but that's the end of an issue. And now that you already have Thomas Wayne and you know you're in a different universe and everything's darker, that idea that you get to the end there, like, Wait, hold on, is Barry dead? Did Barry just die? What just happened? What is going on in the series? Uh, You shouldn't electrocute yourself, folks. Well, yeah, I mean, I think reading it, that's one thing that reading it as a trade, you're like, yeah, okay, I flip to the next page and immediately get that satisfaction of like, no, he's just burned over 90% of his body horribly and Batman's fixing him up. But having that gap of a couple of weeks or however long it was, that works very effectively as a single issue comic book cliffhanger. Yeah. And I love the lesson there is if you do something and make a mistake that hurts yourself, add more of whatever the damaging thing was. In this yeah, case, yeah. what I need is more lightning. It's like yeah. a Tim the Tool Man Taylor way of looking at that. <laughs> My favorite superhero. Yeah. Uh, got a oh, couple boy. of uh, discussion questions for you guys. Some we've kind of Ooh. covered already, but does this work as a standalone story? I think we've addressed that. Would you say? I, think I, it I would does. say yes. Yeah, I think it works better. Hmm. Pete. Yeah, I think it's a. You know, it's not my, one of my favorite stories because I don't like it when a, it starts off with someone who is should know better making a horrible decision. But it's a great idea, and it we're still talking about it to this day, so it kind of lets you know how great of an idea it is. Uh, here's another one for you guys. This is one that definitely didn't occur to me back in the day, but did now because it's so much a part of pop culture. Flashpoint is the trolley problem, right? Mm, yes. Because it's basically, for anybody it's who like does Pete, just for you, if you don't know, it's like the San Francisco treat. Right. You know what I mean? oh, would, yeah, you, well, would you, you prefer rice or no rice That's the trolley problem. <laughs> Rice-a-roni? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. What kind of question is that? Treat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thumbs up. Always uh, the trolley do problem, if people don't know what the trolley problem is, just to kind Thank of lay it you, out, yeah. it's basically you're driving a trolley and the trolley splits into two tracks. You only have two choices, one track or the other track. And on one track, there's one person tied to the track. And the other track, there's four people tied to the track. So... No matter what, somebody is going to die. But the question is, do you kill one person or do you kill four people? Who's the four? You know what I mean? Well, that definitely gets into variations on the trolley problem. But there's is it no like solution. your mom it's, versus four randos or is it like, you know what I mean? Like, who is the they're all your mom? It's five. Your mom. They're all oh, your mom. man. If they're Happy all, Mother's then Day. You got to go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this definitely ties into that in terms of the Flash needs to make a decision of the entire world or his mother, who he loves and just saved the life of. And it's an impossible decision, which ultimately Nora makes for him. Yeah. Um, are you saying does that work? And it well, I guess like the the bounce off question of this, and this gets into the whole question about the trolley problem. But would you make the same decision Barry makes at the end? I mean, I think uh, I see why. Like that's why this story works. Is you see him have it have to go on the journey. I could see a hero being like, you know, I could fix this, and I want to, and goes back. I have the power to do this. I can only see the good. Tries it then sees all the disaster. 
that happens from it. So then it goes back and undoes the decision. And that's like, because the, the trolley problem is one of those things where it's like, you know, oh, we struggle with it. So one of those philosophical questions we ask. But I think the only real way to do it is to do what Barry does, is to see it play out in both side like experience no, it's not the only way sides. you can so the way just say hey i know i shouldn't go back in time because i've seen back to the future or i'm a smart person in real life and gone to college so i know i'm gonna fuck everything up so i should just ex- unfortunately it's a horrible thing life is hard and i accept my fate and move forward <laughs> You went to time travel university? Uh, so Justin, just to yeah. check, I just want to, I just want to check TTU, about what you're bro. saying. Sorry to interrupt, Pete. Uh, so yeah. what you would do, just, just to make sure, is you would be like, oop, got to turn everybody. the trolley towards this one person, run over that one person, and be like, how did that make me feel? Then back up check that trolley, run over the other four people, and be like, mm-hmm. how did that make me feel? Which was worse. Which was worse. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's the real way to do the trolley. Like, or well, just realize, hey, I shouldn't be driving this trolley in the first place. It seems <laughs> yeah, like a disaster. fucking dangerous job. And. Uh, I, I didn't sign up for this. So, you know, I'm a, then, I'm a sleep in today and let somebody else murder people. Then when you drive over one person, you try to back up the trolley, you realize there's like nine other people land back there. And you're like, oh, I ran over them. People are just going to start lining Who's, up. They're like, oh, you're running people the over. Let me get in on this fun. And they're laying down. And then you just got to. The real trolley problem is where are they getting all this rope? And who are these people <laughs> who keep getting who stuck? These people. This is, these are the kind of questions you could ask later on when you're enjoying a nice steaming uh, bowl of rice roti, you know? There you go. The best thing to do Feeling after uh, like, oh, tough day, I killed like 19 people with my trolley. Well, you need some thinking food. This is getting too dark, just like this comic. Let's see. Here's another one I think we probably talked about a little bit, but what is, what do you think is the lasting impact of Flashpoint either on the DC universe or on the entire world? On the culture. I think fewer people are traveling back in time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also fewer people are signing up to drive trolleys. I think Mm is also, that's a hundred percent true. Very hard to do. Uh, When you, as a time travel university graduate, TTU. um, Yeah. The fight in DeLoreans, right? Isn't that? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Uh, the um, I mean, the takeaway from a comic book perspective, I feel like I can see the roots of the dark multiverse and a lot of the later, like literally Flashpoint is a broken world that uh, some characters are removed from to join the main timeline. I mean, do we get the uh, Joker Wayne, who Batman. doesn't laugh, you know, and that kind of stuff? We, um, the, the Batman who laughs. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think the roots of that are here because that, we're seeing one version of that. I feel like Scott Snyder was like, what if we did a bunch of these and pulled out these wild, scary versions of all of these heroes and villains? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's also uh, I would go back to the clarity of this concept now that we've reread the five issues in terms of why people do keep calling on it for the animated movie for the flash TV show for the flash movie, as we're going to talk about in a second, I think it makes sense because it is this problem of like, it, it's the trolley problem. Like we were talking about it. Does Barry, no, no, but it is. It's like, does Barry save his mom or does he save the entire world? Which one does he choose? Both of those things are not necessarily heroic choices, but neither of them are completely villain choices. So it challenges our hero in a way. And then, yeah. Uh, like the way that Jeff sets it up in this book, ultimately it's Nora who makes the choice for him. But depending on how you play that out with different storylines and different setups, it, it, it challenges him again in, in interesting ways. 
Save the cheerleader, save the world is what you're saying. Exactly. That's what I'm always with a fault saying. Why don't we move on and talk about the movie? Because as is pretty clear, particularly on rewatch, not only are they using at least a bit of the plot for the movie, but it looks like they've used specific shots like the flash going into the dilapidated Wayne Manor. That's straight up in the trailer for the movie. We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but instead of Superman, uh, subject zero, uh, subject one. I don't know why I keep messing that up. Anyway, they they clearly go looking for him, I'm guessing, in the movie and instead find Supergirl. So it seems like there's very similar plot elements here, at least on the surface, at least based on the footage we've seen. Uh, also yeah, got the same title, which is also a huge... It doesn't. You keep thinking that, but the title is The Flash. The movie is I called agree The with Flash. You, Pete. I keep the Flash. It's, Flash it's not Point. called Flashpoint? It's still not. We talked about this previously. I think it's called the Flashpoint movie. No, by the well, time it here's opens. the thing. It yeah. was actually originally called Flashpoint, and then they changed it to just the Flash. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I just uh, missed that. that you were reading the trades back in the day. Right? That's yeah, right. The shingles. <laughs> I'm the um, old-timey trades guy. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Variety. The um, the thing that I was most surprised about in, uh, after finishing this Hang movie, on, I just got trailer. a telegram. Hold on a second. Ooh. Just gotta read did, this did, real did, quick. Did, did. Pete, stop. Would you stop? <laughs> like to kill your mom, stop, or for other your moms, stop. Nice <laughs> question mark, stop. <laughs> uh the the trailer gives away if they're gonna do the twist that it's Barry Allen who caused this and the thinking it's a villain the whole time, they give it away in the trailer immediately. And uh, you know, they give away all the the, the Batman stuff being a big part of it. So I don't know. I, I feel like if that is the huge emotional crux of the story, the way it is in the comic book series, that's going to be a, a bit of a tough watch because we will walk into the movie knowing that it's Barry Allen's fault. Well, it's kind of like this uh, Spider-Man problem where you, we all know Mysterio is bad, but we got to sit through this movie until the Spider-Man figures it out. You know what I mean? The Spider-Man problem is when you ride a Spider-Man and you have to (laughs) choose between killing one mom or four moms. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean... Happy Mother's Day out there to everybody. They may be be changing the whole... Happy Mother's Day to the three mothers, the four mothers that didn't um, have to be run over by Spider-Man. I thought you were talking about our three mothers, uh, our father had... (laughs) Us yep. as identical conjoined triplets with three different <laughs> three moms. Different. Yeah, that Continuity was a tough conjoint. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, yes, the <laughs> the um, way that maybe they re- have rewritten the story and it's um, there's a different reveal later on or something, so that we it's fine to know. Well, that it's it does Flash seem like it does seem like they're changing a bunch of things, right? Because, like you said, yeah. in the Flash, we see Barry be like. I'm going to go back in time and change my history so that my mom is alive. And Bruce Wayne, Batfleck is like, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. It seems like he goes back and he does it and he changes the timeline. And then we also get, uh, and we talked about this a couple of times before on the podcast, but based on the most recent trailer, it's not Thomas Wayne. It's Bruce Wayne that uh, Michael Keaton is playing. And he talks about, I think the emotional connection there is Bruce Wayne being like, oh man, I would love to travel back in time and save my parents versus Barry does it and it screws up absolutely everything. So I still think you do probably get that emotional connection there just in a very different way. And they're probably like hitting some of the plot points, but not all of them. Well, let me ask you this then, which Batman's going to be crying at the end then? 
Is it Batfleck? It's weird. I was thinking about this while I was reading this because Thomas Wayne writing a letter to Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne crying makes a lot of sense. If they keep the letter moment and it's Bruce Wayne writing a letter to another Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Hey, bro. (laughs) I'm you. I look different. I'm also older. But that's the thing is watching this trailer. What do you think's in the letter? Like maybe don't with the Robins. Because it's going to end bad. Like, what do you? <laughs> no, that's, with the that's too late. This takes place after all the Robins are dead. Uh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, though, watching it, if you're going to have Ben Affleck in there as Batman and Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, you got How are you not doing the Thomas Wayne story? I don't know. And here's the thing. I think the trailer, you know, it is Michael Keaton's voice who's saying, you know, saving his parents. Do you think it's a. It could be like a red herring. Do you think they're going to throw – they're throwing us off the trail so that they can get that big reveal? Because otherwise, I think that is absolutely crazy. Because what what's the point of having Michael Keaton there to be like, hey, in this universe, I'm older? <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said. I know we're getting really into like raw, unfettered speculation here. But there is something to be said for – I guess audiences were fine with it during Spider-Man No Way Home where you had three Spider-Mans who were all Peter Parker who looked entirely different and were different ages from each other. So uh, maybe they'll go with it in the same way and it's fine. I agree with you though. I do think there's a stronger emotional hook if it's Thomas and Barry yes. versus Bruce and Barry. But – I guess we'll see what happens. I guess one thing. I guess I'll answer the question since neither one of you are going to do it. Clooney is going to be crying his eyes out at the end. That's going to be the reveal. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a So Michael Keaton, who is Bruce Wayne, writes a letter not to Ben Affleck, who is Bruce Wayne, but George Clooney, who's Bruce Wayne. That's right. No, he's Michael Clayton. Oh, okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Really opening up the uh, multiverse. Yeah, the real and, multiverse. And Ben Affleck is playing Air in the movie. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> his character wow. from the movie Air. No, yeah, he, he's playing the Mallrats. He's playing his Mallrats yeah, character. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Uh, put that on the reel. I, I just think it's, it's a huge missed opportunity to not do the Thomas Wayne stuff. So maybe they are saving that as a twist. Um, because yeah. why would you put Ben Affleck in this movie if not? Well, and it does seem like, again, that they're hitting similar plot points down to rescuing Superman to be their linchpin, except it's Supergirl in the movie, as they discover. It certainly seems like the big battle with Zod is very reminiscent of the battle going on with Wonder Woman and Aquaman at the end. So maybe we're going to get like shades of that. It also seems like from the trailer of the movie that the other Barry is going to go bad and be like, don't change the timeline to the place where my mom is dead. And they're going to end up fighting very similar to reverse flash and flash fighting on that battlefield in the comic book. So again, I think we're going to get notes of that stuff, but it seems like they'll go in a different direction. To wrap it back to the book, though, then I'll reiterate the question I asked earlier. Do you think this is required reading for the movie? Do you think you need to read Flashpoint before you watch the movie The Flash? I don't think you need to. In fact, if you don't know any of the stuff that we've just been talking about for the last half hour. It's a gift. Uh, yeah. It'd yeah, be better to go in blank. It. Yeah, to go yeah. in blank. Especially because yeah. the two reveals we were talking about, if they use one or both of them. They're so good that to come in fresh on them would be it great. Would be so if you great, have yeah. read Flashpoint, I think it is worth a reread before you see The Flash. Yeah, I think if anything, what you should probably do if you're feeling like that after we got to this point, after about 45 minutes, is go back in time, kill one to five people, uh, change the timeline so you never listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Kill yeah, people well, to never listen to this podcast. That's what you're telling people to I do. I don't think that's what I said, but I do. I agree think with that's that statement. Yeah, oh yeah my God. that's the. Zelda I'm sorry. Problem. This is the part where I apologize. Yeah, that's how you build. That's how you build listeners, right? <laughs> have yeah. our listeners go out and kill anybody who has. Well, that's how you build a cult, and those oh, are sort of listeners okay. in a way. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing that I think um, is maybe some uh, an underthought about takeaway here in the book. We don't know how or why the Flash changing his past led to all these ripples. We say time's broken, but there's no like correlation between like, well, if Flash wasn't there to like hang out with Wonder Woman and chill her out a little bit, they she would go evil. The same with Aquaman or whatever, or, or Flash not being uh, Flash led to Superman's rocket crashing in a different place. It's like there's no... Well, connection they, there. the way that they do it is they try to they don't do it like a butterfly effect thing. They do it basically yeah. Barry went, he changed something and that it caused bad things to happen in time. That's the way they right. do it. That it's like fractured time. Exactly. It's fractured time instead but, of butterfly effect, which doesn't I, make sense. But I also appreciate at a certain level that we just sort of like, yeah, and then it was bad moving on. You know? What I would do, though, if I was running the DC studios is I would make this movie have reverse flash, have the two flashes kill themselves. So the only flash that's left is the TV flash. And mm-hmm. that's what we have to use moving forward. That's more of an acting choice than uh, mm-hmm. Right. Well, I don't think uh, that's going to happen because Gustin is busting out of the Flash uniform. Out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do think in the movie they're going to have to do a little bit more explanation. In a comic book, it's a little easier to sort of yada yada, shattered time being mm-hmm. the uh, cause of this. I think in the movie they're gonna, we're going to have to like see it or at least someone's going to have to walk us through the idea that the Flash changing his past somehow has Zod – like get beating a earth that had no Superman on it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll definitely see. Uh, any uh, thoughts before we start to wrap up here, anything else additional you want to say about the book? Great. Um, great. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could go back in time and stop myself from reading it the first time. So I could read it now for the first time. Oh, wow. That's wow. really cool. Pete, would any that cause, from you? Would that damage this podcast as, as an earth? Yeah, uh, it would make all of the, but very specifically just our other podcasts, it would cause bad things to happen to our other podcasts. That's yeah. true. Oh, nice. So sad. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, it's an iconic book. It's definitely worth uh, reading for sure. Uh, I'm hoping the movie's going to make different choices and surprise us all. We'll definitely see what happens. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to we sure Facebook do. and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about the DC Universe, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, and TikTok, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, Dad, please call our three moms. They're in a very oh weird place after yes we have the mommy problem which is when you ride a mom (laughs) and you try to run over one trolley or four trolleys and you have to choose how many trolleys you want to ruin (laughs) so many questions Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.